2: craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iheartradio's iheartcountry radio discover more shows and movies for free
0: this is the lombardi
3: line with michael lombardi and patrick maher on v (gasps)
4: Okay, it is the Lombardi line as we welcome you in on a Monday presented by BetMGM. I'm Patrick Maher, live from the VEASAN studios here at the South Point. Hope you had a nice weekend. Michael Lombardi, as you know, unfortunately on the mend. I think he's getting a little bit better, so he should be back coming up on Thursday to join, of course, the Lombardi line. This is VEASAN, the sports Betting Network in his stead. This is the Tom Brookins of VEASAN. is the guy that does everything. He's always there in a pinch. He's my guy. Wes Reynolds. What's cracking, Wes? Patrick,
3: good to be with you. Uh, (laughs) Glad to have you back. Uh, Curious to hear more about your trip to uh, Louisville, Kentucky, your first time at the Kentucky Derby. I
4: got to say this before we do it, and Kevin, great job, Matt Santos and the crew, but you, Dave Ross, Josh Applebaum, the way you covered us this weekend on the Lombardi line, because unfortunately Michael getting sick and... You know, I have to thank management for giving me the opportunity I did. I was fortunate enough to do the radio broadcast for NBC of the Kentucky Derby, and management here at VEASAN let me go do it. So that was awesome. But because of all that, we left everybody uh, in a lurch here. And a wonderful job, not just Wes, but uh, Dave Ross, of course, who killed it, and our buddy Josh Applebaum. So as we welcome you back, uh, if you had uh, Rich Strike, if you had luck – the horses look, mm-hmm. you were just talking about this uh, outside the amount of flexing that people are doing, showing their tickets. Now, Rich Strike, who across the finish line first there at the 148th run for the roses uh, is a is a maiden claimer. I mean, it's a thirty thousand dollar horse. Now, yeah. the breeding is, you know, his daddy's keen ice who's out of a Curlin. Uh, so it's not like the breeding is terrible, but this is, I mean, circa had this horse at 200 to well, one in March. Well,
3: it's not like it's a big barn. In fact, they actually had a fire several years ago. So this isn't like, okay, this is uh Chad Brown, or this is uh Bob Baffert, probably a bad example because Bob is serving a two-year suspension there from Churchill downs, but you get what I'm saying. It's not one of the established barns. The jockey was a first time jockey in the Kentucky Derby. First ever Mount he got in the big race. Uh, first time ever for the Trainer and not only the trainer jockey combination, but I tweeted out kind of like half laughing. Uh, Sonny Leone, I was like, oh, it's a Belterra Park jockey that wins <laughs> no, the Kentucky no, Derby. No, no,
4: no. It, here's the thing. So after the broadcast ends, uh, we go down, and if you have a media credential, you can stand down. We were right by the owners' boxes. That's why I will say, if you've never been to the Kentucky Derby, and, and Wes has been, you know, I've been fortunate. I've covered Super Bowls, covered NBA Finals, Stanley Cup Finals. I've covered them all. This was the best experience ever because it was a party obviously the Mm -hmm. handle was a record handle people betting crazy amounts, but the socializing, the fashion, it's almost like you walk back into 1940. It's like the best experience ever. And by the way, if you're planning on going to the Derby in the future, the booze is free. I don't know the business model, but they're handing out free drinks. You're handing out free food. You walk up. It is the biggest party, but the cool thing about horse racing, because it's a, a niche and they did over 16 million on the broadcast. So people get into the first Saturday in May every year. West, But it, it's kind of loose as far as it's not so red tapey when you're walking around, right. it, you, you feel like you can mingle. You can get close to the paddock, get close to the horses. And I'll tell you this. I was down there near the w- winter circle when rich strike crossed the finish line. And remember, he was battling, of course, uh, Epicenter and Zandon. Those were your two favorites as they went off, but they were completely dead down the lane because of that cheap speed from Japan, which we'll get to in a second. But quickly on this, Wes, as soon as they crossed the line, we thought it was Happy Jack, the two. Mm -hmm. Right. Because, of course, Rich Strike was an addition on Friday. Yeah, it wasn't even in the field. It wasn't in the field. Dean Wayne Lucas had to scratch Ethereal road. So he ends up as far as being an addition on Friday. I can tell you with 1000 percent certainty, I was hanging around with people that know the sport. They had never heard of the trainer Mm -hmm. and they had never heard of the jockey. And they said, who the hell is that? And we can talk about the move down the stretch. And I mean, he was listen this horse came from the clouds essentially uh, that first turn he was what 19th yeah
3: uh, going into the final stretch was like 17th and they showed the overhead angle it was a gorgeous gorgeous ride
4: by Leon tweeted
3: that out and then all of a sudden you saw the horses kind of go to the middle you know stacking about three wide and that did leave the rail open now that's going to leave you to pass and gain some positions and obviously improve your finish but you didn't think okay he's going to ride that rail to victory and then he got on the rail and then made a little bit of move to the outside and then back inside and then all of a sudden uh, Larry Colmas who I know was on the call for the television broadcast on NBC Travis Stone of course on the grounds at Churchill Downs in terms of the PA and all of a sudden you know, like a less than a furlong to go, they finally mentioned Rich Strike because because it looked like, you know, two of the favorites were going at it right away and that epicenter that Steve Asmussen was finally going to win the Kentucky Derby because I, I believe he's won like the most races of a trainer there. In North American history. But has never won the Kentucky Derby and I was like, man, this could have been the year you get beat by an 80-to-1 shot that probably should have been like 280-to-1. Uh, this
4: trainer trains out a Mountaineer. For
3: those that don't get into horse racing. It's a little track in West Virginia. It's it's mostly the summertime. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, it's a secondary track, even though they do have that West Virginia Derby and they get some good horses and some big trainers and big jocks sure. there yeah, for that fine. weekend. But You know, Mountaineer and, like, Thistledown in Ohio and Belterra Park. Like, these are lower-end tracks. I mean, these are not where the big jocks run on a day-to-day basis. You know, if they're they're in New York, they're usually in Belmont. That's right. Or they're out in Santa Anita or they're out in Delmar. They're at Churchill or Keeneland. Oak Lawn, even. Exactly. And Gulfstream. So, those are, like, the big tracks. And Belterra, Thistledown, those are not. So, to uh, train at a Mountaineer Park, wow. So,
4: I talked to Coleman. I was fortunate enough to have Larry Comas, the voice of the Kentucky Derby, on the broadcast. Uh, He never mentioned Rich Strike. Uh, the trainers I spoke with never mentioned Rich Strike. We asked for bombs consistently. You know, Cyberknife was consistently mentioned. Right. Nobody mentioned the horse. When I say Eric Reed is an unknown as a trainer, over the last five years he's 0 for 51 in stakes races. What does that mean? That's the best competition you can run in when it comes to horse racing. He hasn't won a stakes race in five years, and he just won the most prestigious horse race on mm-hmm. the planet. Let me just say this about the pace. When you saw Zandon and Epicenter West coming down the stretch and they were starting to get gassed, it's because I don't know if these Japanese horses in particular were trying to ruin the race and ruin the pace, but it was the fastest quarter in the yeah. history of the Kentucky yeah, Derby. Summer of Tomorrow
3: went out really quick, and, that's and by speed. the way.
4: Cheap speed. Summer, yeah, yeah sum, Summer's Tomorrow is Cheap Speed, which so means... ended up
3: finishing last in the race,
4: That's exactly That's why Cheap Speed, a rabbit that goes out there to kind of gas the field and then falls back, and then also Crown Pride, who won the Dubai UAE. Mm-hmm. Crown Pride was right out there in the first quarter setting blazing fractions and it just couldn't hold up. No,
3: not, not at all. And you look at uh, the biggest, the last big long shot to win the Derby, I believe, was mind that bird in two thousand nine fifty-one. Calvin Burrell or a, Calvin rail, Bo- a, rail, rail.
4: a rail a rail ride, just like Leon's ride mm-hmm. here on rich strike.
3: Yeah. This was, I believe the second to what I was reading, the second biggest Derby launch shot, I believe 1913 Donna, Donna, Donna rail, at 91 to one. But yeah, we mentioned some of the set odds or the fixed odds. I believe uh, I know circa sports downtown here in Las Vegas. Had 200 to one on Rich Strike, and I was hearing guys that I respect as as handicappers, as horse uh, handicappers, saying, "Hey, this should have been 250 to one," and I still probably wouldn't have bet it because I think it was uh, our buddy Dwayne colucci over at the Rampart uh, out in Summerlin, which is the sister book here to the South Point. And we're like, all these guys are doing the retroactive handicapping, like say "Yeah, Rich Strike really makes sense," you know, if you think no. about it and trying to kind of make themselves feel smart. He's like, "Don't even try it."
4: No, no, he's a $30,000 maiden claimer. He he made no sense as far as speed figures going into the race. Uh, he had the second to slowest buyer speed figure. There was nothing about this horse that sh- first off, 20 hole. He's mm-hmm. coming out of the 20 post mm-hmm. and 17 through 20. I think it won the Kentucky Derby like, three times in the history. This is
3: been a big price that you wouldn't use in your bottom of your no, Superfecta. No no, no, no,
4: no, no, it would be a waste. Although uh, I know my friend Jason hit with it. They're, they're going to come out of the woodworks. People were having some fun, maybe a $2, a $10 bet on an 80 to one shot. But overall, there was no reason to include <laughs> Rich strike in any tickets and now he'll head to the Preakness in a couple of weeks there Pimlico. He's going to be amongst the betting favorites, but he's not going to right. be. I'm, ass- I'm assuming epicenter is going to run. I'm assuming. I think I'm ass-
3: Ty- will run. will run.
4: I'm guessing Zandon runs. So my assumption would be Rich Strike. It's a great story. My assumption would be he's going to be four or five as far as your betting favorites. But this is what makes the sport of horse racing and why I'm so passionate about it. This is what makes it amazing. You did have Epicenter and you did have Zandon, who those that capped the race had in the mix, and then you've got a $30,000 claimer that comes from the clouds along the rail with an unknown trainer and an unknown jockey to win the 148th running of the Kentucky Derby. It was when I tell you, Wes, you could hear a pin drop amongst 150,000 people because, you know, as they come down the stretch there at Churchill Downs, which is a gorgeous place, but it's a a beautiful track. You just feel like you're walking amongst history. When they start coming down the stretch, there's just this, Building of momentum, of noise, that, that, and energy. that's what you get.
3: If you ever saw the episode of Seinfeld where Kramer is at the OTB and he's doing the, come on, you know, like riding like he's a but jockey. But you know what I mean?
4: Like you just start to feel the buzz, yeah. start to build. Because
3: everybody thinks that their horse is going to get there. Of course, at that point, of like course. everybody has a chance. Late and then, kick, you never and, know. And then all of a sudden, Rich Strike gets there, and uh, we will see Rich Strike at the Preakness. Uh, another one that we didn't mention that wasn't in the Derby that'll probably be one of the favorites in the Preakness. You would think early voting. Absolutely. Chad Brown uh, elected not to run at Churchill Downs, but is going to target the Preakness. Early voting, by the way, was the runner up in the Wood Memorial Stakes. That's held at Aqueduct in New York about a month and a half ago. So, yeah, first Strike's not going to be the favorite. <laughs> Wait, I mean, you, just,
4: are... you just mentioned Chad Brown. Epicenter, of course, Asmussen, winning his yes. as trainer in North American history, is 0 for 24 in the Kentucky Derby. And Chad Brown, who's the best turf trainer in North America, mm-hmm. and one of the best trainers, going to be a Hall of Famer. Those two have never won the Kentucky Derby. I know. And Eric Rick Reed, who exactly. hasn't won in five years of stakes race, just won. The and Kentucky this is Dirty. how
3: much of a dark horse Rich Strike was. I was calling him First Strike. I think I did it about twice. When, when in that we started, segment.
4: when we started the show, I yeah. was First Strike, yeah. Rich Strike. Who I, knew? And
3: I was telling Kid and Dave Ross, I was like, if that horse was named First Strike, I know you would have bet it. I know you <laughs> well, would have bet M- it. You that's an been MMA a very rich connection. Man.
4: Yes, that's an MMA connection. So it was incredible. It, most of us thought the two horse won, to be honest with you, because they said two one on the saddle cloth. Congratulations to Rich, Rich Strike. It's what producers dream of as far as TV, because they're going to build up this angle mm-hmm. of the little horse that could. We're All just getting right, started. saw the trainer
3: on the Today Show That's
5: today. 100% right. Lombardi line.
6: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury
7: to the Lombardi line on B
3: featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
4: Okay, BetMGM, of course. Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM. All your favorite wagering options in-game betting. Boosted on specials much more. Bring that state-issued ID anywhere here in Nevada. An MGM property ready to go. Must be 21 years or older. Call 1-800-522-4700 if you have an issue. Wes Reynolds, I'm Patrick Maher. This is the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. Just texting with, of course, the bear, Chris Felica. We were, were both talking about Rich Strike here, and I'd be shocked. Now, he's going to run in the Preakness, obviously, in a couple of weeks there at Pimlico. I'd be shocked at the, if, if this horse hits the board, yeah. and that's why we were talking a little bit earlier. A lot of trainers purposely avoid the Kentucky Derby, so they go into the uh, uh, the Preakness fresh, because this is grueling. Four weeks in between three races. Back in the day, horse use, horses used to run so frequently that the Triple Crown Series made sense. Now, horses have have so much time with the layoffs in between races that's why the triple crown's only been I, won what 13 times in 148 I'm years i'm
3: surprised though that the bear can focus on horse racing this morning considering his new york islanders <laughs> just fired barry trotz and he the bear's not very happy about that and uh why would you be who
4: fires barry trotz
3: i, know, I, I sure wish uh, there was a team nearby here i believe that plays at the t-mobile arena that would take a look at barry trotz i think the,
4: i think the red wings are going to get to him
3: first Somebody's going to get to him. He's not going to be unemployed for long. He's not going to have to go file at the unemployment office. So, yeah, Islanders, I mean, he got them to the conference finals, the New York Islanders to the conference finals twice, Stanley Cup winning coach and uh, Lou Lamorello, Alex to let go of Barry. Well, he
4: is. uh, Felica's bitter because Felica had Zandon tied into a lot of Mm -hmm. tickets. So he's telling me that he capped the the race correctly, which you did. Mm -hmm. Again, nobody's capping Rich Strike.
3: You know what? It's almost like uh, me as a basketball better when we get that tweet from Shot Quality that according to shot quality, you should have won the game by 10 points. And I was but like, we did it, man. I, I got to tell you, if, if they graded bets on the basis of shot quality, man, I'd be hitting about 75% I was say, in basketball. You'd be, you'd
4: be in fuego West Reynolds. Okay. Let's do that. You just mentioned we've got what four game fours on the ice. You've got two on the wood tonight. And that includes of course, no jaw, let's start there. Memphis Grizzlies and the Warriors tonight. You know, it's interesting, this only adjusted about a point and a half, mm-hmm. right? Now, again, we don't officially have him listed as out, but I don't think he's gonna play. 9 on the opener with the Warriors. I'll give you the updated series price as well as they take a 2 one series lead on Saturday 10 10 and a half. It does feel like and I, I think Jonathan Von Tobel may be on the Grizzlies and you were just discussing during the break. Yeah. It does feel like this number is getting a little squirrely here a little heavy.
3: Well when I uh, when I bet it on Saturday for game three and I did lay it with six and a half with the Warriors didn't expect to get there that easily based on Memphis's hot start. But when Jaw went out of the game it was the fourth quarter when it was obviously all already a blowout but then I look on Sunday morning for game four and then all of a sudden I'm seeing eight and a half or nine so it's like okay we've already had a two two and a half point adjustment and that's largely because of John ja Morant. you're not going to see even though that was a blowout on Saturday you might see a half to a point adjustment toward the Warriors sure. based on the game three performance not necessarily a two and a half point adjustment so I think it was already kind of at least slightly baked in that Ja Moran was not going to go here. And all of a sudden, Shams Tarani of Stadium uh, uh, puts the news out because he hears it first from Taylor Jenkins, the Memphis head coach, that Ja's not going to be going more than likely on Monday night for game four. So then all of a sudden, the books or the betters, whoever gets to it first, goes ahead and pumps up the number. And Now you're getting ten and a half. I I think this is a little bit big of an adjustment. I thought nine, maybe nine and a half, was right, but now that it's crossed double digits, you got to look at what Memphis has done. And I'm not going to try to make the absurd, you know, recommendation that. Ja, they're better without Ja Morant the record says that they the record are, actually
4: in all the metrics say they're better it's yeah. really incredible yeah uh
3: 20 and five without Ja morant on the floor point uh, differential
4: better no. without 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 jaw as well mm-hmm. for the Grizzlies which again could be an aberration because we know how important he is to the team but your your point is well taken and Golden State by the
3: way you know offensively on Saturday there's going to be you would think at least a little bit of slight regression based on how Golden State really shot the ball, setting records. They had 142 points, by the way, 17 to 32 from the three, 53 of 84 overall, 63% from the floor. So even a team like Golden State that can fire them in from deep, you're not going to see those type of numbers usually. So you got to think, okay, at least a little bit of short-term regression. And plus, as I mentioned, 20 and five without Morant. On defense, they were actually a little bit better. 106.9 points per 100 possessions to the opponents during the regular season when Jaw did not go. So... I just, I'm going to go ahead and play on the overreaction here. I think now that you're getting double digits, Memphis, absolutely worth the take.
4: It's been a chippy series. You just mentioned defense getting Dylan Brooks back is going to help out on the perimeter defensively, and he can create as well. Look, 142 points. That's the second highest total for the Golden State Warriors in a postseason game. So again, that's a bit of an aberration. 142, 112 on Saturday. You weren't really sweating your six, six and a half there, Wes. Uh, First off, did you think the pool and Morant collision was dirty?
3: Mm. I tend to be a little bit more old school that like, some things are playoff basketball. Like I thought the ridic- the ejection rather in game number one for Draymond Green was absolutely it was ridiculous. ridiculous. It was a reputation call there, you know, and certain players get reputations. Uh, I call it like the Rashid Wallace syndrome, like Rashid even kind of looks the wrong way or looks at you just a little bit of a side eye. That's a technical foul. And I think Draymond kind of Gets into that a little bit. And look, Draymond can get chippy. We saw it in the first round. Uh, Him and Aaron Gordon of the Denver Nuggets got into it a couple times. So, it's all reputation here. And and, and you just... You hate to see the officiating taking over. I mean, the officiating in that Phoenix Dallas game was absolutely dreadful. Uh, Chris Paul getting fouled out very early, uh, did not produce, and Chris Paul getting into it with uh, some little punk behind the bench, I guess, that was uh, messing with his family. Uh, You know, at first it looked like a bad look with Chris Paul like yelling at some like 15 or 16 year old kid, and then you kind of figured out, okay. These are what people are saying he did. And the, and then the mommy just taking him out and consoling him. And I tweeted out, and I got some flack for it. I was like, I bet that kid has never had no said to him by so his you mother. You think he's
4: coddled a little bit?
3: Yeah, just a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> but nevertheless, I digress. Uh, one thing I am seeing a little bit in this Warriors-Grizzlies tonight are the third quarter dubs back. Remember that was kind of a phenomena a few years ago, the third quarter golden state where they, you know, would kind of let up an opponent hang around in the first half, maybe even be down, but they'd come out that first 12 minutes after the half and just blow a team out or really put some distance. So I'm seeing a lot of golden state third quarter tonight. I don't know if I'm going to necessarily follow that, even though the warriors 4 zero at home in the playoffs. And by the way, home court advantage has mattered much more now in the semifinal round. I believe, uh, Going into yesterday, it was 10 and 2, two home teams win, so 12 and 2 in terms of the home teams.
4: And Memphis quietly has struggled. They're 04 and 1, they're past five on the road in the postseason. As a dog, you saw the number go up. You saw the total West Reynolds come down a little bit here, 227 down to 223. It was quite a little drop there, as far as the totals concerned.
3: Yeah, ab- absolutely. So, uh, and and you would suspect that uh, to try to account for John Morant to see if Memphis is going to uh, try to slow it down. I'm not necessarily convinced that they are. But uh, back to that third quarter Dubs thing I was mentioning. They're three and zero in the third quarter of this series. They've won by seven. They've won by five. And they've won by fourteen. So they're three and one at home if you include the Denver series in third quarters in the playoffs. Uh, just looking at that number right now because you're paying a heavy tax because the guys behind the counter they're going to be wise to this right now. So it was two and a half with heavy juice. Now I'm seeing pretty much minus three across the and board. And we
4: can throw up uh, Matt Santos. Let's throw up the adjusted series prices. You got to lay a thousand. With the Warriors coming back the other way, I think you're getting six and a half to one as you take a look at the Grizz and Warriors. You see the updated prices from last night. Now we got a 2-2 series tie there, West with the Suns and Mavs. That's a fascinating series as that plays out. Uh, you're still minus the 240 on the Suns. The Mavericks come back the other way two to one. The Heat, I you know, it's it's, it's interesting. Uh, we're going to be joined here by our buddy Will Hill and I was walking through the airport last night and he texted me. What do you think the updated series price is as far as the Heat and 76ers? I said, I don't know, $2 on the Heat. It,
3: I thought it was going to be back to maybe where it was before the Embiid injury that he was going to be out for the two games because if you go back, I think it was like it was minus 170 because that's where I bet it on the Heat and then plus 150 on the So that's why I thought it would go back now down to minus 155 and plus a dollar 35 on the takeback on Philadelphia all of a sudden Philadelphia has shown a little life in that series absolutely and I,
4: again it's not necessarily he's a decoy but just having that presence yeah that anchored defensively. he opens 100 oh, because
3: if guys go to double him that leaves up open shooters and uh look it, not so much last night but in game three you saw Danny Green knock down a bunch of threes and all the shots that Philadelphia couldn't make down in Miami they were able to make hard Harden, a little bit of Maxi, a little bit of Tobias Harris. George Niang yep. actually gave him a contribution. The mini The, the yes, mini <laughs> Absolutely. And, and then Miami. Miami went seven of 35 last night from it's three disgusting. point range. So the, the shots that they were hitting the first two games, they were not hitting last night. I still think the heat are the rightful favorite, just because I worry about Philadelphia's death. They're not going to get a ton of bench production. And those guys, Embiid, Harden. Maxi Harris, those dudes are going to have to go 35 minutes or more at least every single night. Meanwhile, you got Miami that can do a little rotation with Hero and Oladipo and the like where they can go a little bit deeper in their bench. So I still favor the Heat to win the series. Starting to
4: get juicy, a win in a cover for the 76ers at home tie. That series up 2 to 2. That closed 2 2.5, a, a 116 108 winner for the 76ers. I'm sure Michael was rejoicing uh, through the sickness there as we continue along. Will Hill's going to join. Coming up next, Thomas Gable's going to stop by. We'll talk about the Derby out at the Borgata as we continue along on a Monday. It's the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM.
5: You're listening
3: to The Lombardi Line on V featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, it
4: is the Veasan Spring Special, 59 bucks. The next few months are going to be filled with the best betting content in the business, right here at Veasan.com, and subscribers will have access to all of it, including Adam Burke's daily best bets in Major League Baseball. Jonathan Von Tobel will have the best bets all the way through the NBA Finals. We just discussed JVT's pick today. Annie McNeil is going to break down all the action on the ice all the way through the Stanley Cup Playoffs. We'll have lots of NFL preseason coverage as well. You've got UFC. You've got. Of course, West with the golf, USFL and NASCAR, it's a ton to get to. And this special is great because you get everything through July 31st. And that includes point spread weekly every single Wednesday. Just go to vcin.com slash spring. That's vcin.com slash spring. He's Wes Reynolds. I'm Patrick Maher. This is the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. We're going to head out to the Borgata there in Atlantic city and bring in our partner, Thomas Gable, who runs the race and sports book TG. I talked to trainers, I talked to owners, I talked to jockeys, I talked to the NBC broadcasters. Not one, not one mentioned Rich Strike. I mean, literally nobody said anything, and there he hits the board at 80 to one. That was wild, my friend.
5: Yes, it was, and this is actually the first time uh, I'm getting to talk to you since uh, since the weekend, since before the Derby, so uh, how was it, it out was, there? It
4: was, it's kind of indescribable, to be honest with you. Here's what I'll say about the Derby this year. Uh, the theme was a return to normalcy. So you got the sense, mm-hmm. remember in 20, no fans in September last year, 50,000 right. fans, it, whether it's just collectively as human beings, we just want to get back to some sort of normalcy or, and you saw Thomas, I'm sure you saw that they broke the record the, the handle there at the Kentucky yeah, Derby no. betting yeah. on the race. I'm telling you, people wanted to party. They wanted to gamble. They wanted to dress up and the energy was off the charts.
5: <laughs> it yeah, was I awesome. Mean, it is- I, I'm sure it was, and I'm happy for you that you got to go Thank and you. then be a part of it. That's, uh, that's great. But, yeah, that was a good derby for us here. Uh, it's always, you know, the the biggest betting day of the year for us in, in terms of horses, as you know. And, you know, I, I equate it to, like, the Super Bowl because you have people who come out and you will not see them make another horse bet until next year's Kentucky Derby. Right. So you – and you have to – uh, as far as operationally go, you you have to kind of plan for that because those bettors typically take a little bit more time at the window. Uh, they don't necessarily know exactly what they want or what they're doing when they get there. So, uh, you know, we have to plan for that because it's just such an influx of people that come in here uh, on Derby Day. But no, we had a successful day. And, uh, you know, going back through the numbers for the last couple of years, um, you know, we, we certainly surpassed handle. And I'll tell you what, actually, what the big driver was, uh, was Friday, the Kentucky Oaks. We had a great Friday in terms of increase of handle, not only year over year, but even going back to, like, 2019, 2018. Um, saw great numbers for the Kentucky Oaks on Friday. Um, so, yeah, I mean it was certainly a successful weekend here in, in terms of uh, uh, people coming out. And, and like you said, I think it's just, uh, you know, first derby in a number of years where they could come out and not have to socially distance or, you know, just kind of live life like they they used to.
3: And you guys are right. And you said it, Patrick, a return to normalcy at the Kentucky Derby. If also, if you watch the Formula One race, the Miami Grand Prix yesterday, a yeah. uh, lot of partying going on. All the celebrities were out. Some of them identified properly. Some not. They're on the gridwalk. Uh, we'll get to that maybe a little bit later in the program. But uh, speaking of a festive atmosphere, not too far from where you are, Thomas, uh, was down there in Philadelphia last night. Yeah. 76ers yeah. all of a sudden making this a series and uh, looked like they were just DOA and they and then Embiid comes in, and it's not like he's producing the usual MVP Joel Embiid numbers, even though he did not win the MVP. That might be some motivation here for game five when they go back down to Miami. But are the betters now at the Borgata? I know you get a little bit of a local bias there, maybe with the Sixers at times. Yeah. Uh, are they starting to believe in Philadelphia Unite here?
5: Well, it's funny because even last night, uh, I I thought we were probably going to need the heat, and we, we ended up not needing the heat. So it was... Uh, it was a good result for us in that game last night. But, yeah, I think, Wes, you're you're right. There absolutely is a local bias here with the Philly teams and the New York teams as well. We see it. But um, what Embiid means to that team, and while the guy, whether you want to say he's at 60% or 70% or whatever he is due to the injuries, not only to the uh, to the face but also dealing with the thumb, um He's the emotional leader of that team as well. And you can just see the difference in the way that team plays when he's on the floor. So whether or not he's at 100%, I don't think it it truly matters. The team just plays differently when he's on the floor. Um, Now, the Heat, let's not overreact to what we saw last night. The Heat have shot extremely poor the last two games in Philly. So now we're going back to Miami and the friendly confines there for them. Uh, and see if they can kind of right the ship in terms of their outside shooting. We know James Harden is not going to have a game like he did last night. You know, just look at the data that we have available to us from this year. The the man doesn't put up those numbers anymore consistently. So um, I don't think there really needs to be an overreaction to what we saw from the Sixers last night. Now, absolutely, this is a series again. And with Embiid, and it's really the the other players there on the Sixers, i.e. Danny Green, who had a nice night last night, Um, they need guys like Danny Green to come through and shoot well from the outside because the bottom line is the Sixers have to win a game in Miami in order to move on. Um, The Heat have the home court advantage here, so... The Sixers win everything in Philly. That's great, but they're not going to win the series. They have to go down there and and steal one in Miami.
3: Yeah, starting to see some threes in the market. I think your store is still at three and a half, but starting to see some threes show, at least some early support for Philadelphia. And by the way, what I mentioned about the MVP, not official, but Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN says Nikola Jokic mm-hmm. expected to win MVP. So, uh, maybe a little bit of motivation right, for the I big guy. I think that's guy. the type
4: of player Embiid is. He gets motivated by that. Oh, Sorry, abso-
3: ab- absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, we shall see, but Philadelphia is certainly getting the early support, Patrick.
4: A hundred percent. By the way, what number did Rich Strike go off at the Borgata? Because I know he was longer here in town. He was 80 to one there at Churchill. Would you have him there at the Borgata?
5: Yeah, eighty to one. I mean, we're we're in the paramutual pool, so gotcha, um, gotcha. you know, it, gotcha. so we were at the same numbers as okay. uh, Churchill there. But I we did have uh, we did have one uh, lady cash a two dollar try box there for over twenty nine thousand. That right? is and incredible. That one that's that's how it oh, always yeah.
3: works out. That's like the office pool in the NCAA tournament when you have somebody that really doesn't follow basketball and they're like, "Well, I'm going to pick on the basis of the uniforms right. or the mascot <laughs> yeah. or whatnot." Yeah. That's what betters yeah. do. There's always going to be at least a couple betters that are going to bet who's the biggest price on the board. Okay, give me him because they just want to root for the underdog. And if they did that, they end up cashing this time. I can
4: understand boxing a try with a bomb like that. But I had a dude sit next to me that literally bet a hundred bucks on the 21. So hundred bucks at 80 to one. You can do the math. That's incredible. I was like, you're burning money. What are you doing? Anyway, Celtics bucks tonight. (laughs) Uh, This is, I mean, this is big. Giannis was amazing on Saturday night. Uh, I got a one and a half opener down to one. What about there at the Borgata? Mm
5: Yeah, we were actually uh, as low as Pick'em. It's uh, back to one here uh, with the Bucks laying the point. Um, so you're seeing some people take uh, take the Bucks there on the money line, but this is this series. And I, I said this yesterday on the show with with Applebaum. You know, when the Bucks won Game One, they effectively took home court advantage back for this series. And this is a series that you kind of, when you looked at it on its face, you certainly had a good chance that this could go seven games. So it was very, very important for the Bucs to take that game one there in Boston. So now they have to hold serve uh, here in Milwaukee tonight. Uh, Again, I hate to make it this simplistic, but if the Celtics can shoot well from three, that's where you're going to see them win these games. Uh, And they they haven't been in the games that they lost. And, you know, at some point, uh, Tatum's going to have to step up. Now, I know Holiday's been the guy, though, that has really seemed to be the one that's uh, affected this. So, you know, he had a great series there against Chicago defensively, and he's showing up again here defensively and, and causing problems there, I think, on the outside for Boston.
3: D.G., got about a minute and a half to go here. Uh, Memphis Golden State, John ja Morant not officially listed as out, but more than likely Taylor Jenkins, the coach of Memphis said he's not going to play. So now all the way up to 10 and a half here, you getting anybody biting on the Grizzlies just yet tonight?
5: Uh, We we have a few, we have a few, and I don't think that's uh, a bad bet to to take at this point. There's definitely going to be some regression there uh, with golden state and their shooting. I mean, they shot ungodly in game three and you know, the Grizzlies have not played badly when Morant hasn't uh, been, you know, on in the lineup. So, in at least during the regular season, so I think you you have uh, a chance here at least to cover that number at ten and a half. If you can grab a ten and a half, I don't know if it gets much higher than that. You know, we opened this nine and a half, and it's been bet up to ten and a half. But um, I. I don't know. I think you're starting to see some buyback here on the Grizz.
4: Well, I think Wes Reynolds is going to take that 10 and a half yeah, and he's going to be I'm happy. Gonna, with I'm
3: going to, I'm going to buy it on the
5: hook here. Uh, I think that yeah,
4: this it's is going to be an
3: overreaction.
4: I agree with both yep. of you wholeheartedly. Yep. Uh, TG, before we say goodbye, I think there's a better chance rich strike finishes and I'm not being negative finishes dead last mm-hmm. in the Preakness than hits the board. That's I genuinely believe that.
5: It could be, but I think, don't you like his chances better at the Belmont?
4: He was he was running late, and the Belmont's a mile and a half.
5: Yep, that's he for some, closers, he, yes. Yep,
4: he had some juice in the tank. That was very, very well put, of course. The Belmont coming up in a few weeks. Thomas Gable, Borgata, Racing Sportsbook. Thank you, buddy.
5: You got it. Thank you, guys. Thank okay. you, Tiam.
4: There he is, T.G., out at the Borgata. Coming up next, our buddy
7: Will Hill is going to join. Listening to the Lombardi line on v
3: featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
4: Okay, four games on the ice tonight. You sign up over at BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, with the bonus code v 200 and place your first bet to take advantage of this offer. Again, either team scores a goal. If you use VSIN 200 you're going to get 200 bucks paid for in free bets. Tonight, Stanley Cup labs. Doesn't get any better than this. Head over to BetMGM.com. For all the details, 1-800-GAMBLER, if you do have an issue, we're going to get our buddy Will Hill in quickly. I said there's a better chance Rich Strike uh, finishes dead last in the Preakness, then hits the board in the Preakness. Of course, went off 80-1 to in the Kentucky Derby and won it. Uh, however, West has found some information where apparently those that have won the Derby at double-digit odds or heavier have actually fared quite well in the
3: Preakness. Yeah, this is over the last 30 years. This was from Steve Kornacki, who you may have seen on the Derby coverage on NBC. Usually you see him doing the political coverage, breaking down the state maps and the county maps for the election. He'll be all over primary season here for 2022. But he tweeted about how every horse who won the Derby at odds of 10 to 1 or greater have fared in the Preakness over the last 30 years. Notably, the five longest shots in that span to win at Churchill yeah. All finished in the top three at Pimlico. Charismatic did win it in 1999. He was a 31 to one, I believe, shot at the close and won the Preakness. And then you've had some other kind of somewhat long shots. War Emblem in 2022 was 20 to one, ended up winning. Funny Side, I believe, was 13 to one and. Mine that
4: bird was 50 to one. Mind
3: that bird is probably the closest. Mind that bird was 50 to one, went off at about you know 13 to two, so about you know six and a half to one essentially for the Preakness and ended up finishing second. So that's why we were debating, okay, what's the price going to be on Rich Strike? I got to think maybe it's going to be, they're not going to give you like a really huge price, like it's true odds, you know, when the morning line comes out. So I got to think probably if mine, that bird was like basically six and a half to one, you got to think Rich Strike, maybe eight to one. I I think
4: somewhere in that five to eight to one range. I totally agree with you. Won't be the betting favorite. Our buddy, Will Hill joins us now. And before you get bitter, Will, don't get upset. We're not cutting into your time we'll keep you we'll keep you around for an extra segment because you know we love you of course New York City cast He's probably texting Michael right now. They're not even bringing me on this show. <laughs> they're, Wh- they're talking horse
3: racing. Wh- well, Will I got Hill. up early and put I- on I- a suit I- for I this. I disagree with that. Will Hill is a salt of the earth guy. <laughs> no, he is no, no diva. No,
4: Will, Will gets bitter. And he, he's no diva. We love Will. Uh, New York City cast dot com slash podcast. What's cracking, man? You know, it's interesting. You texted me yesterday. I was walking through the airport. Uh, updated series price. Heat 76ers. I said $2. You were closer. It's more like what? Now, $1. 38, 140-ish, where somewhere in there?
7: Yeah, it basically just mirrors the price of game five. And I was enjoying your horse racing talk, and really, I don't have a lot today, <laughs> so I was hoping you guys were gonna keep going. So you know, I think he ended a little too soon. Uh, I think Philly's got some advantages, and this isn't past posting, this isn't revisionist history, Patrick. I was texting you Friday, first quarter. I said, I kind of think Philly's gonna win this he series. Did. He did. I, I think Miami's flawed. I mean, you look at them, heroes the really only three-point shooter. That's not Butler's game. You know, they're really asking a lot of here. And I think that hurts him when when he's asked to, you know, create, be their best shooter. I, I wonder at some point, are they going to dust Duncan Robinson off the bench exactly. and make you $90 million because they need shooting. They really need shooting. I don't think Lowry's healthy. You're almost better off benching Lowry because he just can't run. He He's clearly hampered by the hamstring. Uh, if you're going to get anything like that from Harden in, in game five or going forward, Philly to me just has the best player in the series in a bead. Philly's just got more talent. I know Miami's a great coach, great culture, great organization. I I agree with all that, but it's a lot of Gabe, Gabe Vincent and Max Strews. To me, the 76ers are very live in this series. I kind of think they're going to win it.
4: Uh, can I just say this? Robinson and hero are so bad defensively. Mm-hmm. There's such Can't a liability. Both they're both just yeah. so they're statuesque. Go ahead, Wes.
3: Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I'm starting to agree with will here a little bit. I was on the Sixers on Friday night and also last night, small on the money line, but I have the heat on the series at minus 170, And I'm thinking, okay, do I really want to get out of this? Because the the thing that does concern me for Philadelphia is, are you going to get any consistent bench production because these guys are all going, you know, now they're going 40, 35, 40 minutes. Danny Green only went 24 because Niang actually did give them something last night. Played 21 minutes and give him 10 points and hit a couple threes, but Philadelphia is not a very deep team. We know Doc tried DeAndre Jordan in the first two games. That did not work. DeAndre Jordan was basically like the guy that we saw that was sleeping courtside in Philadelphia <laughs> last night, and that was like the meme. It's like DeAndre Jordan realizing he's played his last minutes in this series. But, you know, Philadelphia, to Will's point, I think has some
4: life here. My man was comatose on the wood there. He was out. He was sawing logs. And I got to give you credit, Wes. Excuse me. Will, I always get your two names confused. You did tell me coming back to Philly, bet the 76ers. Is
7: that what you said? I did. I I really liked him. You know, once he saw him beat and look, I've been accused of complaining too much about this. I'm curious what you guys think. Because I don't think I've talked about it with either of you uh, at the risk of repeating myself. Imagine in football, if Mahomes or Brady was ruled out Saturday night, then Sunday afternoon, they're playing and bead was ruled out for game three. And I'm happy he's playing. I have Sixers tickets. I have Sixers futures, but he's ruled out game three on Thursday. And then game Friday, uh, game three on Friday. He's starting to me. Uh, I, I don't know how you enforce that if you're the league, but you're, you have deals with all these gambling companies. You know, you're taking their money. You have to enforce these injury reports. But and, he, ch-
4: he changes everything because yeah. I know, I know um, Jimmy Butler was hunting them in the third, and he scored on him, but Embiid tries defensively.
3: No, like, he does. He,
4: he's an anchor defensively, and
3: he tries. Go ahead. And Wes. he doesn't go up for shot fakes. He no, keeps he, good position for very a big good. guy So uh look, the markets already bet in Philadelphia at least early on for Game Five tomorrow of the three and a halfs disappearing now down to three and now uh, maybe uh the aforementioned Mister Embiid might have a little chip on his shoulder because it came out from woge not officially though yet that. Nikola Jokic expected to win the MVP. And then there was another story out there that Jokic might be the $50 million man come this summer per year, signing the uh, richest contract in NBA history.
4: Where do you two, and I'll start with you, Will. Where do you two stand on this? Jokic is going to win back-to-back MVPs. Open 16-1 to before the season started. Ended up closing. You and I were talking steam. That's heavy steam. Down to minus 275 to win it. Uh, Are you okay with Jokic.
7: Yeah, and it gets really contentious, especially with Philly fans where people think, you know, you're knocking Embiid by saying Jokic is the MVP. Embiid had an unbelievable year. Uh I think probably Giannis is still the best player on the planet, but um Embiid was incredible this year. It's just I think Jokic was just a tiny bit better. I mean, Jokic almost averaged a triple-double. And if you look at the roster Jokic carried, I mean that's a G-League oh, team. That mm-hmm. is a fifteen-win team. When you look at Forbes and, you know, Cousins was one of their better players at times, it's an awful roster. Getting that team to the playoffs. Uh was a hell of an accomplishment. You could say Philly was the four. Denver was the 60. That's why you give it to Embiid. The the, the records were pretty much identical. I, I can't quibble with Jokic winning it. Jokic was brilliant this year. And that was from uh, Sam Amick, by the way, of the Athletic Nuggets
3: expected to offer Jokic the Supermax five years, $254 million. That would be the largest contract in NBA history. Were you okay with it? Yeah, I'm okay with Jokic. I, I think to Will's point, when you didn't have Jamal Murray and you didn't have MPJ, Michael Porter Jr. for the better part of the entire season, pretty much, Jokic tried to carry those guys, and you could tell he just couldn't get consistent production. It was like a, it was like the Simpsons episode where the kids couldn't come out and play in old mill houses on the playground, throwing the Frisbee to an empty spot of grass and then going and chasing the Frisbee and then throwing it back. That's how Jokic, I think, really had to feel.
4: <laughs> That's actually not a bad analogy. Good. I... I think Bucks minus 170 is a little short. Uh, coming back the other way, plus 150 on the series price, of course. 2 1 series lead. I thought Tatum was garbage on Saturday. We, we can discuss. Um, no Middleton, of course, but George Hill coming back. That does help with the bench. You know, this bench there with the Bucks is only scoring 22 per, Will. So, again, let's start there. We've got it actually 160. I had it 170. Bet MGM as far as the updated series price and favoritism for the Bucks.
7: Yeah, uh, I'm with you. That 160 looks very attractive. That looks a little short. I think a good chance the winner of tonight's game wins the series. You could make a case the winner of tonight's game is going to the finals. I wouldn't rule out Philly yet, but in a series where it's hard to score, you're seeing these teams run every opportunity because once the defenses get set, both teams have a hard time scoring. That being said, in a series, in a game where it's hard to score, give me Giannis. Give me Superman yep. in, in a half court. I just think he's the difference maker. You're up two one. You got game four at home. Uh, I kind of think Milwaukee gets home tonight and wins the game. Now, look, Boston has five at home, potentially seven at home. Can't rule them out. Uh, I, again, I would probably go back to the under here. I just think it's really hard to score. That's one I've, I've had a good feel for. But I think the Bucs probably win a, a lower scoring game tonight.
3: Well, got about a minute left. Let's talk about the uh, second game of tonight's doubleheader Memphis Golden State. 10.5 now. Golden State laying uh, without jaw, going to be not available for Memphis tonight.
7: Little high for you at 10.5 with Golden State. Yeah, I certainly couldn't lay it. I think, you know, what happens is the line is built into the fact that Morant's not going to play. Then he gets announced out and then line moves again. Right. You almost get a double dip there. And I think this That's, is just too yeah. much of an adjustment. If I had a bet uh, here, it would be the under. I just think Memphis only chance to win, to play their defensive lineups, turn this into a rock fight and slow it down.
4: I love professional betters because that was such a suggestive question from you. You're mm-hmm. trying to get corroboration from will I was, Hill I was on leading your bet. the witness you, you, there. You, you, counselor. You, yeah, that's exactly like the Amber heard trials. All of a sudden he was leading the witness that being will Hill. Cause he wanted you to ride with him on that hook 10 and a half. That's exactly what our buddy West Reynolds was doing. Uh, you want to hang out with us?
7: I do. I always want to hang out with
4: you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Tease us now what's coming up on the podcast and we'll come back and do some baseball and other stuff.
7: Yeah, maybe it's a, a good time to buy the Rangers in terms of cup futures. Now that they're down 2 one, you get them 25 to one. So that and a lot more on the New York City cast. vsincom slash podcast.
4: What's happening there near you on Long Island with Barry Trotz getting canned. This is crazy. Weird, right? It's a Strange. really,
7: really, what's Amarillo
4: thinking? We'll come back Terrible. with Will Hill next here. Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. This is Vsin the sports betting network.